Hello, and welcome to Remarks and Reflections, a podcast offering insights into topics that are important to the Hillbrook community and the broader worlds of education and parenting. I'm your host, Head of School Mark Silver, and I invite you to join us for what we hope are lively conversations about a whole range of ideas and issues that connect with our vision to inspire children to achieve their dreams and reach beyond themselves to make a difference in the world. May is Gratitude Month at Hillbrook, and so I wanted to start by expressing appreciation for the community. This past few days, for example, students have had the opportunity to participate in our virtual walkathon, an event designed by our PE teachers in collaboration with HSPC leadership. The third grade held a mythical meetup where they dressed as Greek gods and goddesses and then had surprise visits from a number of us who couldn't resist the opportunity to dress up ourselves. For those who are interested, I was Zeus with my lightning bolt. And next Friday, we'll have team day, one of our oldest traditions as a school and that will continue, and with students in multi-age teams, they have an opportunity to participate in a variety of playful challenges that they'll then be able to upload and have people watch. For me, these past few months have been hard, for sure, and yet I am reminded each and every day how resolute this community is. And so for that, um, and again, in recognition of Gratitude Month, I want to express my deep appreciation and gratitude for all of the members of our community, the teachers, the senior leaders, the staff, the families, the children, the parents, everybody who has come together um, to support us in this critical moment. So this episode, um, I'm actually going to focus on uh, a meeting that we had this past Thursday. We, ha- we held a community meeting to update people on our current thinking for the 2020-21 school year. And so I wanted to provide a quick overview of the things we talked about at the meeting and then actually um, answer a series of questions that came up at the meeting, um, which I'm guessing a number of families who weren't able to participate in the meeting probably have some of these same questions. Um, So first of all, in terms of the quick overview, uh, we talked a little bit about what we are doing as a school to prepare. Um, And so, for example, we uh, stressed that we are putting into place enhanced cleaning routines. Um, Our maintenance team and CFO Margaret Rendazzo, for example, are working to ensure we have the right routines, supplies, and protocols to um, have appropriate cleaning. Um, We also know that we're going to have to teach kids uh, how to do those routines and make sure that kids and adults are working together to make sure that we're appropriately um, implementing those. We've also been thinking through a range of scenarios. Um, Right now, we don't have um, crystal clear guidance on what the Santa Clara County Public Health Department will be expecting of the school. Um, So we are trying to imagine different scenarios and and recognizing that it will be critical for us to be able to move between these scenarios seamlessly. So, you know, one scenario, probably the most optimistic, is that we have limited restrictions that we're on campus um, and that it's similar to what we were prior to the shelter in place. So, for example, we might not have flag or other large group gatherings, but for the most part, we're able to operate business as usual. A second scenario, which is at this point I suspect more likely, is that we're on campus, um, but that kids are in stable groups. Uh, And the number that we see right now coming out of county health is 12. And so that you'd have a stable group. And a stable group means that those students would be with one group of children throughout the day. They would not be interacting with different groups. Um, And that it also then means that uh, they'd be spending time in likely a limited number of classrooms, you know, one classroom for most of the day and then um, an opportunity to go out and have recess and so on and so forth, but that they wouldn't be interacting across the school. 
with that scenario, um, one of the things that we recognize is that there's likely to be some distance learning happening on campus. So for example, a group of second graders might be in a classroom all day and then have music with the music teacher coming in virtually. Um, and then finally, the, the final scenario is the one that we've been in the last few months, which is um, a full-on distance learning um, you know, with the, the county back in a shelter in place. So as, as we think about those different models and as we try to understand how we would move between them, um, one of the things that we've been trying to think about is like, what do we know? Um, and so, he, so here are some of the things we know. We know that um, regardless of the model, we need to ensure we have adequate health and safety protocols in place. Um, we also know that we are focused on reopening the campus for the first day of school. We know that in-person learning is critical for children and that the academic and social benefits are significant. Um, we are f focused on trying to do that. Um, we also know that we have lots of outdoor and indoor, indoor spaces on our campus. And we have a very, you know, we have a big campus and it's a, it's a campus that is very open. Um, and so we are confident that we can accommodate all of our students on campus in stable groups, in separate spaces. We also know that there may be families who are not comfortable being on campus next year, that even if the campus is open and, and, and school is, is back in session on campus, that there may be some families and some children for a variety of reasons who don't feel comfortable being on campus. And so we know that we need to make sure that those families are being supported and that we're providing an educational experience for those children, which means that we need to have a digital platform accessible throughout the year from day one. With that last part in mind, the, uh, the notion of having a digital platform accessible throughout the year, we also know this summer that we're going to have to spend a lot of time reviewing the successes and challenges of our distance learning program this spring um, and trying to understand what worked, what didn't, and what we can do to improve it. Uh, one thing we are doing uh, over the next week is sending a survey out to all families, um, and we would strongly urge you to respond. Um, the, the focus of the survey will be distance learning, and we are eager to hear your experience and to understand how this last 10 weeks, 10 to 12 weeks has been for your family. Um, also related to this, we will continue to have active professional development for teachers this summer. Um, you know, we know that in March, we switched on a dime from an in-person, hands-on experience on campus to a distance learning program over the span of about four days. And, you know, this, this is not a model we had ever envisioned doing. I'm incredibly proud of the work that our team has done to, to make this model work. And I know that families have been incredibly gracious, um, you know, in terms of recognizing all of the work that has gone into this. And we also recognize that it's the first time we've ever done this. And so there's clearly space for improvement. And so we're eager to learn more about how the experience has played out for people this spring and then put that into place as we um, look, for look to make changes for next year. So um, I wanted to take a moment to go through some of the questions that people asked because um, I think they, they help uh, further outline what it is that we're thinking about for the year ahead. Um, so one of the questions that was asked was, you know, is our ability to open in any way dependent on public schools? And then the further question was, you know, could Hillbrook be open if the Los Gatos public schools are closed in the fall? The, a second related question to this was around our timeline for making those decisions. Um, and I, so, and I, and I think, you know, in a related note, there was a question then also tied to that, which was like, how are we making these decisions? So let me answer those, you know, f first of all, no, we are not tied to the Los Gatos public schools, um, nor are we tied to the county office of education. We certainly will look at 
and understand what the County Office of Education and the Los Gatos Public Schools are doing, and we clearly will take those recommendations and guidance into account. We are not, however, bound by them. And that's that's to our benefit because obviously those schools are larger and they don't have a lot of the advantages that we do in terms of how we operate. What we are bound to is the recommendation is the uh, re- restrictions from the Santa Clara Public Health Department. And so we know that, um, you know, depending on what they say, so for example, if they order a shelter in place, we clearly have to abide by that. At this moment, our sense is, is that, that is they are going to co- be recommending something less than, we hope, you know, at the start of the school year, a shelter in place. And we will have lots of flexibility then within those, those guidelines to be able to implement our own program. Other places that we're looking as we, as we try to make decisions, we of course look at the CDC. The independent school community has a broad network with the National Association of Independent Schools, the California Association of Independent Schools. And there's a company called Jaffe, which does a lot of emergency work with schools. These, these organizations have been incredible resources. Um, the C- CFO, Margaret Randazzo, and myself and a few others have participated in a number of online um, you know, webinars with hundreds of schools, both regionally and then across the country, trying to share best practices and, and, and trying to pool our, our collective understanding. The other thing that we've done to help us make decisions is we've convened a reopening campus task force. And so that task force is made up of board members, school leaders, and parents who are professionals in a variety of fields, including public health, medicine, and several corporate executives who are leading reopening efforts for their own companies. So while that reopening campus task force is not a decision-making body, they have incredible expertise and wisdom. And so they are providing us a lot of thoughts about um, and, and insight into what they're doing and then also reacting to the conversations that we're having and trying to help provide guidance. So all of those, you know, for, as a leadership team, we're pulling all of those resources together um, and in order to make the best possible decisions we can. In terms of timeline, we are we are expecting the the, uh, the county uh, Santa Clara Public Health Department to provide some additional guide, guidance in the next few weeks with the current shelter in place order about to expire, and so our hope is is that by mid to late June we'll have a little more clarity on what the county public health department is envisioning for the start of the school year and be able to share out in more detail what we think the start of the school year will look like. I will also note, um, you know, we we also are are trying to remain. Um, we don't want to move too quickly in terms of making decisions. And again, it's one of the benefits that we have as a nimble, small, independent school. Um, you know, we know that that we uh, want to prepare for lots of different scenarios and then give ourselves a lot of flexibility in terms of how we actually implement um, come day one. Uh, another question was asked about protocols. And so the, you know, what types of protocols do you envision for school routines, drop-off pickup, uh, being inside classrooms, and then a related question to that, um, somebody wanted to know, would y- young children have to wear masks while on campus? So in terms of drop-off and pickup, we know that's actually going to be one of the most challenging logistical uh, things to, to plan for. We expect uh, to have health checks for students coming on campus. Uh, we are actually in, in the process of uh, securing some kind of nurse or, or, or professional to help us with that process. Uh, we At this moment, we expect that probably includes some kind of temperature check. Um, it also probably includes having you know children you know spray hand sanitizer in their hands, so on and so forth. So we know we need to figure out how to manage that. How do we how do we do that in a way that enables us to get onto campus and into classrooms? We also know that we might be using buses still, and this is something that um, we haven't we don't know definitively if we'll be able to. We are hopeful we will we will be able to because we know buses have been a real benefit for our families. 
if we have if we are able to use buses, we will certainly have to have bus monitors because in the same way as coming onto campus, we would have to have um, somebody checking children coming onto the buses and making sure that they were okay to be able to go to school. In terms of on campus, inside classrooms, we're exploring ways to physically distance desks or socially distance desks. Um, you know, we, we will be expecting students to wear masks, assuming that the county public health department continues to have that guidance. Right now, the guidance is for children over six to be wearing masks. So we would be, um, you know, using that same guideline for our on campus experience. Of course, all employees would be wearing masks. We'd be looking in the classrooms at minimizing the sharing of supplies. And then we'd also be looking at some real enhanced cleaning routines. And so we've been ordering significant, amount, significant amounts of um, hand sanitizer. We are looking at um, you know, putting hand sanitizer stations around campus. And then we're looking at having a, an, an increased cleaning crew to make sure that they're moving into spaces throughout the day and cleaning. Another question that we were asked was uh, it, whether or not we were considering an extended day or a staggered schedule. And I, I, we, we, I know where this question comes from because this has been something that I know the governor has mentioned when he's talked about schools, and it's certainly something that has been out there in the public um, realm. So if the county requires staggered schedules, so in other words, not the county schools, but if the county public health department for some public health reason, we of course would have to abide by a staggered schedule. Short of that, and at this moment, we don't think that we would have a staggered schedule because we think we can accommodate the stable groups on campus. Of course, that might that might change. That's our current thinking. Um, and again, our with our primary focus, if at all possible, to have as many children on campus learning in person. Another related question to this is we were asked if we were considering an early start to the school year. And again, we don't plan at this moment to do that. Um, We've pushed our summer programs. To, they are going to start July 6th and run through August 14th, in part because uh, right now one of the biggest challenges we face, and, and our, summer, our summer programs, uh, some of those will be on campus, is that it's, is there's a lot of complexity for us in terms of trying to prepare for the return to campus. I mean, I, I'm confident this will probably be the most, the most difficult return to campus that we have had as a school from a tactical and, and, and operational standpoint. And so if anything, you know, we want to make sure that we have adequate time to do that. At the same time, we know for teachers that, there's a, that this is going to be a different experience. And so we want to make sure we have enough lead time over the summer so that teachers are well prepared and the school is well prepared on day one. So as of now, our intention is to start, is to keep the same opening day of school. Uh, another question was about um, if we have to return to a distance learning model, so if the county mandates a shelter in place, you know, what types of modifications are you considering to the program? So the, the first play I would answer this is, as I noted earlier in the podcast, we are eager to gather feedback over the next couple of weeks so that over the summer we can really spend time understanding the experience that families and uh, students have had and then designing for that. Um, you know, some of the things that we have been hearing from families over the last few weeks or last couple of months, um, you know, trying to figure out how we can design the program so that it's flexible for families 
and supportive of families or, and children who are feeling overwhelmed. Um, and so, for example, there have been a lot of conversations about how much of the experience is synchronous versus asynchronous. And that's something we need to look back at and with, the t- with some time over the summer, better understand how we can manage that to meet the varying needs of families. Uh, we also will be looking at the platforms that we've been using um, and trying to understand both ways that those have been serving families well and then perhaps ways that they've been challenging and uh, opening up at least the possibility of should we be considering other platforms or at a minimum should we be rethinking how we're utilizing some of our platforms. Um, and then uh, finally, um, I, I think you know a real conversation around how do we continue to find ways to tailor the experience to individual children. Um, and again, we know that like any school, we have a broad range of learners. And so one of the things that we're really going to be looking at is how do you serve that broad range of learners and broad range of families? And it's, it's even more um, noticeable in this distance learning moment than it is when children are on campus. How do we serve that breadth of children and families well? Uh, another question was about um, hiring additional staff and uh, and, and a question around social-emotional support for children. Um, I really appreciated this question. A related question to this was there was a question about parent education to help with children's emotional challenges related to COVID-19 and shelter-in-place. So that is something that we are looking at. We have done several uh, parent education opportunities this spring already. Uh, we are also, we have hired a full-time counselor for next year. Um, and so that person, uh, we, up to, up prior to now, we've had, the counselor has been a 60% time position. So um, in recognition of the significance of this moment, we, we are, um, that, that person will now be a full-time person. And that role is going to be critical for helping us put into place the various support structures that we need um, for families. And I think particularly if this continues on in the way it has been to continue on, which, which, which um, you know, we, we recognize that there's a lot of unknown right now and a lot of uncertainty. And so we need to make sure that we are creating the supports that we need for children to manage through that. Um, so uh, a, f- a few final thoughts. Um, you know, this is my final podcast of the school year. Um, and while you should be on the lookout f- over the summer for a couple of podcasts, um, I will definitely not be doing a weekly podcast during the summer. And this, this podcast has been a real experiment for me these past few months. It actually started, I started playing around with this back in October, November. And then when we moved into the shelter in place, realized that it you know, became a real opportunity for me to share how we as a school and I personally have been navigating this moment and hopefully a way to keep um, connected with the community. It also, uh, one, one other thing it did is it was a great learning opportunity for me. I had, uh, pr- in the early podcasts, I was able to do this the podcast, but then I didn't have to produce it. When we moved into the shelter in place, I got a couple of lessons, virtual lessons from our tech director, Bill Selleck, and then I've learned myself how to produce it and upload it. And so that's been a real, a real source of success for me. Uh, I feel like I've accomplished something, learned something new. Um, so I would welcome feedback. I'm, I'm eager to hear feedback from families and uh, about ways that this podcast is, is serving families well and, and also like topics and things that you would love to hear in the future. Um, so with that, uh, you know, I want to thank everybody again for all of the flexibility and the resilience that our community has shown these past few months. Um, I have never been more proud to be a part of the Hillbrook community.
You've been listening to Remarks and Reflections, a podcast of Hillbrook School. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can also find the Remarks and Reflections blog post at hillbrook.us, another space where we are looking to connect with and engage members of our community in conversations important to our school, education, and parenting. And as always, you can find our school on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, our website at hillbrook.org. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and be your best.